this morning, that's, that's what I want to talk to us a little bit about, about experience God. But I don't want to just talk to us about this. I want to really lead us into an encounter with God this morning. And the last, you know, a few weeks back when I first started talking on this, we talked about the fact of God being our treasure, Jesus being our treasure. The, as scripture would describe, the pearl of great price or a treasure buried in a field that uh, a farmer goes and sells everything they have, you know, to be able to, to obtain that treasure. And when we, when we have that picture of, of God, you know, that treasure means like, hey, there's nothing more important that I have in my life than God. There's, there's nothing else that I want but relationship with him. And we go, well, how is that possible? Well, that's possible through what Jesus did at the cross. You know, we can talk about experiencing God today because of what Jesus accomplished for us, that he once and for all, he destroyed the barrier to God. He paid the price for sin and death and restored our relationship fully with God so that we are able to be connected to Jesus. We're able to be connected with the Father. We'll be able to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit you know, because of what Jesus has done for us. So there's nothing we have to do, which is really important in that. We put our faith in what Jesus has done, and that's where our connection with God comes from. That means that you can be completely, you, you know, connected with God on a good day or a bad day, regardless of what's happened. So if you've come here this morning like, oh my goodness, there's all this stuff that's gone on in my life. There's all this stuff this week. Well, let me tell you, the safest thing, no, the safest thing you can do, the best thing you can do is, is go to your father and say, it's been a bad week, or this thing happened that I'm not happy about, or there's this situation. Even go to God when you're angry, even if you're angry at him, because he can handle that. You know, our anger is not too much for God to handle. And we can go to him and be like, God, I'm just so upset about this situation. I'm angry about this situation. I don't understand the situation, and be able to pour out our anger to him. Because he's good. He's good. And he loves you. And his goal for each and every one of us is to lead us into deeper relationship and communion with him. Communion being co-union, that we would be more and more united with him. And that can only happen in honest relationship. You know, where we can feel free to fully express to God how we feel and how we're at. And so with this, it's the incredible thing, right? That we're, we're not waiting for heaven to have this union with God. We are, we have that right here and right now. So each and every one of us right here, right now, if we've put our faith and trust in what Jesus did at the cross, if we've put our faith in him as the son of God, then that part of that put our faith and trust in him is that because of him, we have union with God. And we believe what he said and what he's taught us. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures just to help us focus on God this morning and to be able to focus on experiencing him. Right now, just, I'm just going to ask you and read this. Let's just close our eyes. Just close your eyes. And God, I just ask you to meet each one of us in this place. Whether we have come frustrated, confused, whether we've been forced to be here or whether we came here longing for an encounter with you, wherever we're at, you meet us where we're at. You don't tell us we've got to get a bunch of things right before you'll meet with us. 
And Lord, as I, as I read this, just remind people how much you love them. How much you love them. I'm reading 1 Corinthians 13 from the message version, but keep your eyes closed. I want you to listen to this. Let it go into, just really speak to your spirit, to your soul. And, and God says this about love. He says that love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sin of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. It trusts God always. It always looks for the best. It never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Paul, who wrote that, then goes on to say, you know, look, there's, there's these spiritual gifts we have, whether it's prophecy, whether it's speaking in tongues, you know, all these, these things, they're all going to die off. You know, as when we finally go and are with God, fully united with him in heaven, because they're not needed. You know, and, but he says, look, look, while we're here, while we're here, we only know a portion of the truth. It's, he describes, he says, we only know a portion of the truth and what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompleteness is canceled. He writes, when I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like an infant. But when I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it would be, it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that co-union. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of these three is love. Is that, that amazing thing, right? We, we do. We're, we're, we, we know God in an incomplete way at this point in time. You know, we do not at yet, until we are actually there with God, you know, we only know in part who he is. We're limited in our revelation. But the revelation we do have is one of love. We have a revelation that God loves us. You know, we have that confirmed by scripture. We have that, you know, read, you know, Jesus himself saying, you know, what is the greatest command to love God with all our heart, mind and spirit and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And also scripture telling us that we love God because he first loved us. And this thing of experiencing God, when we're experiencing God, we are experiencing the creator of love. We're experiencing true love. And it is a very important part of our experiencing him. And in fact, 
if we're experiencing something else, then we're not likely experiencing God. Because even when God disciplines us, he does it in love. So anything that is of God will be founded, rooted completely in love. Love like we just read, it was described in scripture. Now love that's described in Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23, where it talks about the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That is how God relates to us. That's he, God is asks us to be like him. We're, we're here, you know, we have heaven in part. In the sense that when God tells us these things about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, when we are with him, that's all that we will experience. The new you know, heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, that will be a place where those are the, the, that's how we relate to God and to one another in its purest form. And so what we're asked to do by God is, hey, bring heaven here to earth now by living that way. Living that way towards one another. Being patient with one another. Being long-suffering. You know, walking alongside each other. By truly loving one another. It goes far beyond. This is, this is not just an emotion. While, the, while our emotions are involved in it, it goes far beyond emotion. God's relationship with us is not a relationship of rules and regulations. Those were the tutors, Scripture describes. But the relationship that God wants with us is one where those rules and regulations are written on our heart. You know, meaning that, like, when you read in Corinthians, or five, uh, sorry, Galatians 5, 22, 23, and you read these, read these things off of the fruit of the Spirit, it then says, against these things there is no law. And that is, is that we don't have to worry about rules and regulations when we're living by the very principles that God has for us. But we can't do that on our own. We can't do that without our union with him, right? That's not, if we are living from our flesh, we will do the absolute opposite of those things. And when we do the opposite of those things, we know that it is not God that's working through us. That's actually our flesh, and we need to repent of that, and we need to get in a different place with God. Now, when I say a different place, I just mean get his perspective on a situation. Yeah. Philippians 3, verse 8 and 9 from the NIV version, Paul writes here, he said, it says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost everything. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is on the basis of faith. So before that, the thing that Paul's saying, hey, look, I've given everything up. He's saying, look, he used to be a Pharisee, a, a Sadducee, a teacher of the law. He taught the rules. He taught the principles. Like, these are the things you got to obey. He lived his life that way. He's lived his life by rules. I've got to do this right. Got to do that right. To the point that those rules led him to killing off Christians before he actually had this dramatic encounter with Jesus, you know, on the, and, and there gave his life to Christ. 
He's like, look, I gave up everything of my past. I gave up all that, that following rules. I gave up all, all that teaching people to follow rules. I gave up relationship with God by laws and rules. And I've entered into what it, this relationship with God through relationship with Christ. And it's by faith. But it's that faith that we can experience here and now, that relationship. That we experience them here and now. We're not waiting for heaven for that relationship. We're in that relationship right now, right here. Right now, right here. You know, when we read the word there where Paul writes of knowing Christ, that word to know in scripture refers to a personal intimate relationship. It's not about knowledge. So in other words, it's not information. Oh, I have info. Yeah, you know, you can go, I know, I know this person because I've, I've said hello to them before, or, you know, they're a colleague from work or someone from school or a neighbor, you know, that you've said hello to. And someone says, do you know them? Yeah, no, I know them. They live in that house or yeah, they, they work in that office or yeah, they're in my class. But to know that they're talking, they're talking about here is I have an intimate relationship I have intimate knowledge of them. Now, the this word is gnosis, gnosis, in the Greek, and it's it's like what we understand the mysteries of God. We understand. We know. We, we Jesus talks to his disciples about. He says, "Look, I call you friends. You know, because you know my Father's business, and that's the way God wants us to know Him that way." And so we experience one, we know we can't experience someone we don't know. And we, that's, it's, it's this, this intimacy that we have and we develop. And Jesus modeled this out for us. You know, here, before I get there, it's, it's so unfortunately common in church today where it's almost like this cliche of like, oh, I have a personal relationship with God, but there's actually no impact that that relationship has on us because we've, we've maybe just brought it to, okay, I just got to go to church and I'm going to read my Bible a few minutes each day and I am going to, um, you know, go t- bring my problems to God, tell him about my problems and that's it. And that's incredibly limited. That's actually not knowing him and to the extent that he wants to know us. And what did Jesus model out for us? Well, he modeled out for us, you know, going and spending time. He would seek out time alone with his father. Why? So that he could hear and get his perspective and talk and commune with his father. It's like if you're married here today, you go and you go, I need time alone with my spouse. Why? So that you can connect. Now, one of the things for Lee and I that we try to do is a date night. And we have seasons where we don't have date nights in our connection. We, we miss, start missing each other all the time because we're not taking the time to connect with one another, to know where the other person is at. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? You know, we're just busy with life. And it's the same with, in our relationship with God, that if we're not taking time out to be alone with him, to really hear and speak with him, then it's harder for us to know what he's doing. Now, that solitude that Jesus sought out with God, that wasn't the only time he met with God. But that 
what that did is helped him have God's perspective, his father's perspective on things. When Jesus would meet with, you know, go and be alone, he'd get his father's perspective so that when he went about serving, when he went about healing, when he went about teaching, he did all of that in union with God. Jesus himself said, like, I only do what I see my father doing. I only do what I see him doing. I only say what he's saying. Right? So he was like, I'm fully... I'm fully united with my father in heaven, he's saying, and I'm only doing what he's telling me to do. I'm only going about the business that he has for me to go about, and he did those things in union with him. But again, using the married couple for as an example, you can be doing things together. You can be doing life, raising your kids, your household, but if you're not connecting, if you're not connecting, you know, spending that time and really hearing where each other's at, you can be doing life together and completely missing each other. And you say, well, I'm not married, so I don't know how to relate that. Well, imagine that with a friend, a close friend. If you've got a close relationship in your life or a relationship between a parent and a child, if you're not actually taking the time to spend with one another and just to really hear and find out what's going on in each other's life, then when you're doing life together, you can be completely missing each other. And isn't that so often how we go about life? God is there with us. He's, we know we've got this thing, but we we haven't taken the time to really understand his heart for us, to really hear, to listen to him, to be with him, to experience him, him. So we go about our days with him, but not really knowing what he's doing or not fully paying attention. And God has so much more for us and he's invited us into so much more. And so this thing of us experiencing him, really it is, it's just going, hey, we, we, if, if Jesus is our treasure, our, our pearl of great price, that carving out time in our, in our days, in our weeks, just to be and to really hear his heart. God, you know, what are you doing today? You know, what do you want to talk to me about? What do you want to show me? Speak to me. When we do that, then he really can. He really can. You know, the, Jesus' disciples saw what Jesus did in the relationship that he had with his father. And I mean, his disciples, they were people that were raised in Jewish culture. They understood prayer. It was very much a part of Jewish culture. But how Jesus did it was so different than the way others did it, than what they had been modeled out for them before. You know, it was different than the rabbis would have. It would have been different than how their mentors, how their families would have, would have prayed. So they, his disciples went to him and like, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer, which we, I grew up in Catholic school. We said this prayer every day. It was, a, it was something we repeated. It's, it's, it's ingrained in my memory. But it, it just wasn't meant to be a rote prayer that we just prayed. It was a pattern of prayer. It was Jesus teaching his disciples, this is how you connect with God. So he said, you know, the Lord's Prayer, he taught them and he said, this is how you pray. And again, let us experience God in this for a moment. So I'll get you again. Close your eyes. Don't go to sleep. Close your eyes. I want you just to believe that you're right now in God's presence, that he really is there with you. And I'm going to lead us through this pattern of prayer. 
He started out and said, Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Which means you're, you are set apart. Let's just remember that God is, it's not just God's name. It's God himself that is set apart. He is God. He knows everything in our lives. He knows every situation we're facing. He knows the good and bad about us. And he chooses to still be in relationship with us. He's all powerful. He is above every circumstance that we face. We do not need to fear when we're with him because he is set apart. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, would you reign in our lives? We surrender to you. We surrender to your lordship. We surrender situations that we're facing to you. Help us to trust you that your way would be the way we would do things, that what you want, we would partner with. Lord, we recognize that in heaven, your will is always done. It's the only thing that's done. Help us here on earth to do the same. With whatever situations we're facing, whatever trials and difficulties, may your will be done. May we be surrendered to you and willing to do things your way. Give us our daily bread. Lord, you're our provider. You are the one that's given us the ability to produce wealth. You're the one that sees everything we need. Would you make sure our needs are met today? May we trust you for the meeting of every need we have, the food we need, the shelter we need, relationships we need. Whatever situation you're facing, would you trust God today in that situation? Help us, Lord. Help us to trust you. Where we have little faith, would you help our unbelief? And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lord, you've forgiven us for everything. Help us not to hold things against others. Help us to let those things go. Regardless of of the right or wrong, regardless of whether they owe us something or whether we feel they owe us something, help us to let them go. That we would forgive them. We would say whatever they owe us, that's canceled. That's canceled. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.
Well, you know, we're surrounded by all kinds of things that would try to take us off the route that you have for us. Things that would try to get us our attention. Things that would want to compete and would suggest to us that they're of better value than you. You know that there's an enemy that comes against us and tries to tries to distract us and to take us down different paths. Would you open our eyes to see what it is that he's wanting to do in our life and give us the courage to follow your ways? After Jesus had taught that prayer, he said to them, he said, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. So on the one side, we've got, you know, it's this thing of we know who God is. We know our Father in heaven He's this, he's good, he's perfect, he's all loving, and he's completely forgiven us. He's saying, I'm counting nothing that you do against you. It's not an invitation to live in rebellion, it's an invitation to come into safety. Saying, you can walk, come walk with me without fear. And he simply asks us to then trust him to do the same to others. It's like, if we're going to walk in that, that we would not hold things against each other. That we would extend that same love to others. He's like, if, if we're not willing to do that, what we're doing is we're, we're saying to God, God, I don't want your forgiveness. We're, we're saying to him, look, I don't want what it is you have for me. I don't want your kingdom. I don't want your reign in my life. I want it my way. So, I'm going to hold things against other people. And God's like, ah, you can't have it that way. That's not how my kingdom works. There'll be no grudges in heaven. There'll be no, no in heaven holding things against other people. That's not part of the new heaven, new earth. That's not part of God's kingdom. And it's that part of that thing with us walking with God is this letting go of control and letting go of fear. Because generally we hold things against people out of fear or a need to control a situation. Which means we're actually not surrendering it to God. And part of our experiencing him and walking with him is, is really knowing his ways. God wants communion with us. And communion isn't us going and sipping a little cup of, of, of juice and eating a piece of bread. Communion is us understanding that we are united with him. He wants to commune with us the way Jesus communed with him. That's how God wants, that's the relationship God wants with every single one of his children. He wants it with you. And from his side, he's fully ready. He's not going, hey, when you get it right, come to me. He's like, come to me. You can even go to him in your unforgiveness. Like, God, I cannot forgive this person. I'm coming to you. Help me. 
can come and give them your rant. You can come and give them your, all the justification as to why. And just be willing to listen to his perspective and willing to let him teach you and willing, be willing to let him lead you in things. I was saying last week, no one can convince me God is not there because my experience with him is way too real. You know, you could not convince me that he's not there. And I I desire the same for each and every one of you. And that's what God asked me to lead us into. And I, it's, I will lead you into it so you can lead other people into it. You know, that's what we're to do. That is part of us teaching people to be disciples of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus learn to commune with God. And it is such an important part of our journey for us as a church. And so as you go about your week this week, as you go about life, carve out that time to be with him, to listen to him. Maybe it's only five minutes. Maybe it's when you're driving in your car or wherever you can get, carve out some time to be alone with him. And just let him speak to you. Just, you can start, use that Lord's Prayer as a, as a model of communing with Him to help you at the beginning. And just be like, okay, Lord, you are, you are holy, you are good. Talk to me. Talk to me. And if what you're getting isn't love in that communion, then you're probably not hearing God. Well, I can guarantee you're not hearing God. I shouldn't say probably. I'm being nice. You know, if the voice you hear, you're like, God, you're amazing. I love you, is one what you, well, I think you're terrible, or I condemn you for this, or this is what's wrong with you, or stuff along these lines. Just be like, whoa, hold on. No, I don't want to listen to you. I want to hear from God. I want to hear from God. Jesus, speak to me. And let him speak. And if you struggle with this in any way, then go to someone that does, you know, that you know. And if you don't know someone, then talk to one of the life group leaders, one of the elders in the church, one of the leaders that can help you with this. Because it's really an important thing. This is such an important part of us being followers of Jesus, of us, of us walking with each other, you know, and, and just helping people to really connect to God. It's out of that that the life of everything flows. So thank you. Thank you for listening to me today. I hope you've experienced him, encountered him today. And I hope you join us for lunch because it'd be great to just commune with each other as well today. And have a wonderful day.